a.m. East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello, this is Arts Editor Skylar Ashley filling in for publisher Burl Schwartz. On today's show, we're going to listen in on an interview between City Pulse reporter Todd Haywood and Ricky J. Levy from the Woodhull Freedom Foundation. Levy's work with the foundation is sought to affirm sexual freedom as a fundamental human right. We'll also listen to a conversation between Larry Hook, the advisor of the LCC student paper The Lookout, and myself. We talk about how The Lookout secured the Michigan Press Association the Vision 3 Award for Best Student Newspaper. But to kick the show off, we're going to check out Todd's interview with Ricky J. Levy. The name of my organization is the Woodhull, W-O-O-D-H-U-L-L, Freedom Foundation. Okay. Separate words. And for folks who don't know about the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Foundation, what, what do you guys do and how long have you been around? Uh, We were founded in the year 2003, and our mission is to affirm sexual freedom as a fundamental human right, which it is. Um, From the very beginning, we did not want to, we did not want to be an issue-oriented organization. Um, We didn't want to only work for one community. We didn't only want to work on one issue. Human rights is incredibly broad. And in the human rights framework, every right intersects transparently with every other right. And we knew that was what we wanted our work to be. Okay. So within that construct, Mm-hmm. We're looking at sort of the issues of sexuality and sexual harassment allegations as they play out in political avenues, whether that is an election or it's an appointment. Talk a little bit about why it has become such a fixation politically to have the conversations about somebody's sexuality. You know, I mean, we've got the Mayor Pete example, right? I mean, not a whole lot of conversation was had about Mayor Pete's political philosophy, but a whole lot was talked about him and, and his husband, Chasson. Correct. What, what is underlying that sort of scenario? Well, people are both comfortable and hideously uncomfortable with sex. It's manageable. You, you don't have to know about the economy, global warming. You don't have to know what the budget numbers are. You can glom on to someone's sexuality or sexual behavior and make that your focus instead of doing a deeper dive into what someone taking office would actually mean. Uh, There's a long time war on sex in America. Uh, There are two red flags that are frequently used against my types of movements, the more liberal movements. And those two flags are uh, sexuality and, and child endangerment. No question that flag protecting children, vitally important, rarely truly applicable. Like Woodhull is, uh, we are the primary, um, <laughs> 
It, we are part of a lawsuit, Woodhull Freedom Foundation versus the United States of America, challenging uh, the constitutionality of a law, SESTA-FOSTA. Right. Um, and that, that law is aimed against sex workers. Um, you can't be seen to be promoting or facilitating prostitution. Uh, there are so many things in this law that are unconstitutional, including the fact that you can be retroactively guilty for something that was not a crime at the time that you did it. That's a little problematic. That's, yeah, that's a lot problematic. And um, so the AG at the time went up to Congress and said, do not sign this. This is unconstitutional. It'll never stand, don't put your name on it. But right behind the AG came people waving that red flag Yes, but you'll be able to end sex trafficking. We'll be able to protect our children from everything that's online. Uh, how does an elected official stand up and say, yeah, I'm not interested in protecting people or children. I'm voting against this. One legislator did. Well, and isn't, and isn't that also within that same context of being incredibly fascinated by and also repulsed by sex in the American culture. Exactly. Um, so when, when we see that play out, when there becomes this fascination with sexuality, with gender identity, how do we overcome that and encourage people to look at the policy concerns, the policy questions, instead of gender and, and sexual orientation? By asking by by not encouraging the other conversations yes but um i mean, you know who cares isn't always very effective if you're trying to have a conversation but really who cares why does this person's ability to lead my country my state my community hinge on what they do in their homes, in their bedrooms. What does that have to do with anything? So in fairness, that's a separation between sort of the, the private life behavior. But if you have public officials that are engaging in sexual harassment and power related um, sexual behavior in a public space, that's a different conversation, isn't it? That is a different conversation, yes. And so if you're seeing this behavior, the issue isn't the behavior, it's the inappropriateness of the behavior that you automatically elevate for someone who's elected to represent you. Um, you know, if you were gonna be dating somebody and they sat at the table and picked their nose and burped constantly, you would probably step back from the table. This is not somebody you want to take out to meet your friends. Potentially. I mean, right? maybe you've well, got friends who depends. like that. I mean. <laughs> it depends, but generally, generally. Um, so if this elected official or this person trying to become an elected official behaves hideously in public, then why would you 
want them to represent you. So then perhaps the answer is, this is not someone I wanna have represent me. Their public behavior is abhorrent. Um, there are allegations against them against X, Y, and Z. But I would encourage that you also say their positions on legislation, their responses to public discourse don't lead me to believe that everything else aside, they would be a good legislator. And, and if you can advance that kind of conversation, then when you're talking to people and they're telling you, yes, but they pick their nose and they burp at the table, um, the, the answer is if you took that away, if you moved that off the table, are they a good leader? Would you vote for them? What are their positions? Let's just separate the two things. So and now, not using sex all the time. So now that sounds very rational and very thoughtful, but are Americans at a point where we can actually say, okay, so there's this really fascinating sexual thing that piques my interest and disgusts me at the same time. Are we really capable as Americans to say, I don't really want to look at that. I want to look at the policy issues. I don't know that everyone is, but I know that until we start saying, let's look at it this way, no one's inspired to look at it that way. That's the heavier lift. Right. It's much heavier. Instead of getting into this burping nose picking person at your table, who also used racist language, spoke dis disparagingly of uneducated people, doesn't believe in prison reform. It's much easier to just say that, you know, they, they burp and pick their nose. You don't have to get into the topics that are much more uncomfortable and about which you believe you know much less than about their sex. Um, Dr. Levine, who was just elected, uh, I'm sorry, appointed. Um, everyone I, not everyone, but most of the people I've asked about her qualifications, I'm getting blank faces. But they know she's transgender. That's right, that's right. And for the people who know me um, outside of Washington, it's always, well, yeah, I don't know, but you must be really happy because she's transgender, right? Because that's easier than the lift of educating yourself about the issues. Okay. It's much more comfortable. Thanks, Todd. Now it's time to check out my talk with Larry Hook, advisor of the LCC student paper, The Lookout. Hook talks about a chaotic year with an inexperienced staff that managed to develop the right chemistry to capture a top award with the Michigan Press Association. What were the hallmarks of that year? What worked? What didn't work? You know, what led to uh, capturing that achievement? It was an interesting year for us because we only had one returning uh, staff member Shauna Sackin was our editor-in-chief, and she was the only one that was returning. We had all new staff, which doesn't usually happen. Usually it's about half and half new and returning people. So we have nine people on the staff, and Shauna was the only one that was returning. So we had eight new people coming in. Um, the associate editor was uh, a guy named Robin Morales. 
and he was just an awesome reporter. He came in really not knowing journalism much, but he he's a writer by trade. I mean, he loves to write, and he's always entering creative writing contests and things like that. And he was a huge addition to the staff because he, he loved covering school board meetings and hard news, and it's hard to find people that want to cover the, the hard news. Um, everybody wants to do features and columns and uh, fluffy stuff, and Robin was really into the hard news and the politics and the school board and things like that. So Robin was a huge part, along with Shauna, who was the returning. She kind of led the staff. She was the captain of the ship, as you said. My my job is to teach them journalism, so even though I'm not officially a teacher, I bring in the staff and I show them the ropes and what kind of things they need to do to, to complete their job. We have a ad manager, a staff writer, a page designer, photo editor, sports editor, those type of things. And it's kind of my job to put them into the places where they're going to succeed the most. You don't have so much success with a staff that seems extremely green. No, how, how did that really work out? Usually if you have mostly new people, it's, I can't see winning a first-place award with a all-new staff. You wouldn't expect it. And so it was a pleasant surprise that they they meshed so well so quick. And um, like I said, Robin was the news guy, and he was really good, and that made a big difference because everything else kind of falls into place if somebody can handle the hard news because that's, that's the hardest job for sure when, you know, when there's stories about pandemics or bomb threats or anything hard news, even the the board meeting and the elections and things like that. Um, you have to have somebody can do that. And Shauna was, Shauna was accomplished at that too. And then Robin was really good at it. So between those two, we had the news covered and then everybody else, you know, they could do the not so hard news, the A&E and the sports and uh, the people news. We do a lot of feature stories and a lot of photo essays and that type of thing. And our photo editor, her name was Julie Newell. She came in, she had a degree in photography from Grand Rapids Community College, and she came to LCC to do sign language. So even though she wasn't in her major, she already had a degree in photography, so that really helped. She came in pretty accomplished at photography, and we made her the sports editor and the photographer because a lot of our photos are taken at sporting events, and it seemed natural for her to be both because <laughs> she liked sports and she played sports in high school. So that was that was a really nice nice addition to the staff to have somebody with that the skill set that she had for photography. Yeah, that was actually going to be my very next question. Do you think the photos that she contributed was also a large part of capturing the award? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, about four or five years ago, we went to a, more of a magazine format, kind of like you guys do with the, with the full front page picture. And she always had something really good on the front page that um, drew your attention to the whole, you know, you got to get people to pick up your paper. Uh, it's t- tougher and tougher nowadays to get people to pick up the paper, but her pictures, um, two of the awards she got were for pictures that were on the front page, or maybe three. Um, and uh, some of the sports shots she had, there was a cross-country photo and there was a basketball photo of a dunk, and those were two of the photos that won awards. And then she got the, 
silver bells in the city with the fireworks over the Capitol. Uh, that one's mm-hmm. always a good one because nobody else has that advantage other than Lansing to have such a cool event with fireworks in the Capitol and everything. So won a lot of awards for that basic shot, and some do it better than others, and Julie knew what she was doing, so that was great. I read that this was second time in four years that the Lookout has won this award. Um, you've been the advisor since 2004, correct? That's right, yeah. Can you recall exactly how many times the Lookout has won this award before? Since I've been there, I, I think it's three times, but twice in the last four years. So maybe I'm getting better at my job. <laughs> Do you have um, a lot of people returning that um, were contributing to uh, this award here? Do you have that, that same staff that's going to be coming back for the next cycle? Well, believe it or not, we only had three people this whole school year. Ever since the pandemic started, uh, we finished up last year with the the staff that we had. All eight of them were, or nine of them were allowed to complete the school year. But as of last okay. May, we dropped uh, we dropped down to one person during the summer, and then when the fall came around, it was three people. So I have three returning people from the award winning staff, and of those three, one will graduate next month and i'll have two of them back next year the the photo editor she's in sign language so she's going to be around for at least another year or two and then the other person is chloe gregg Uh, she'll be returning in the fall as well staff writer right now but she's capable of a lot of things obviously having a stripped down staff and not being allowed on campus those are two obviously great struggles what else has been challenging yeah not having any photos is, is hard you have to use file photos or look for free stuff on the internet or graphics or design you know we don't we don't even have a graphic designer right now we don't have a page builder so i don't have any anybody could just you know say you know whip up a picture of this or do something with this or whatever i don't have anybody like that right now so just coming up with story ideas we've done a pretty good job we do some regular things every week like we'll do a student feature we do alumni features we do uh athlete spotlights which we couldn't do up until a couple months ago because there were no sports, but it's nice to have baseball and softball going again at LCC. Um, do you have still have print editions coming out, or is it all online right now because of those limitations? We haven't printed since, we haven't printed since March of last year, and the plan going forth is probably we'll print less. We're probably going to print once a month instead of twice a month. We used to be a, a bi-monthly paper, uh-huh. and we've talked about it and the way we're doing it now works pretty good. So what we'll probably do is print once a month and the print edition will be a lot of features and photos where, you know, everything that's news goes live right away. It's it's nice to have things live and we've discovered that, you know, switching to online only has its advantages. Uh, we I never really wanted to do it. You know, I'm an old school type of advisor and it wasn't something I was looking forward to. I knew the day would come, but I thought maybe it'd be after I retired, but it's worked really well. I'm happy with, you know, the the work they've done. And if we could add pictures to the mix, it'd be, it'd be really a good system. Well, that just about does it for us here at City Pulse on the Air. This is Skylar Ashley talking to you. We're going to cap things off with a rare Michigan music track presented by writer Rich Tupica. Hi, City Pulse listeners. Uh, The track you're about to hear was recorded way back in 1967. This is from a band called The New Era. This particular song, uh, it's called We Ain't Got Time, and it's a real obscure jangle pop gem. 
And it's also one of my favorite Michigan-made recordings, period. It's just a really well-crafted song. And it's funny because these kids were still in the 10th grade when they recorded this single. Um, so yeah, if you, if you want to check out more of their stuff, they, you know, the flip side of this is Won't You Please Be My Friend. Um, and you know, there's a few other things uh, from some side projects uh, around the new era. But this is the one that you got to hear, the new era doing We Ain't Got Time. And it's right here on City Pulse. Enjoy. We ain't got time to do the things we want to do. We ain't got time to say the things we want to say. just heard we ain't got time by new era uh holland michigan based uh 1960s garage rock band up next is the flip side to that same single and this is won't you please be my friend have a listen So won't you please 
feel you're at your end. So, oh, 